podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Liverpool, have a lovely Friday evening and have a great weekend. We're going to be talking about the thing that's going to define the weekend for Liverpool supporters a great deal during this show. Liverpool versus Manchester United. My friends, the international break is over. Uh, But also, we're going to be talking to Martin Fitzgerald about his book, Ruth and Martin's Album Club. That's coming up in a minute or two before we focus right the way down on the game itself. uh, Liverpool versus Manchester United. In front of me, I've got Mr Rob Gutman. Rob, how are you feeling about the weekend? I don't know, Neil. I don't know. You must know about your own feelings, Rob. Yeah. Commune <laughs> with yourself right now. He doesn't um, like to go too deep in himself. Uh, He's yeah, scared what he might find. Yeah, exactly, John, exactly. You know, I'm either, I'm either cock-a-hoop about the Reds or depressed, but the international break sort of blurred the boundaries. And this game sort of exists in its own right, doesn't it? It's out. I know it's, uh, there's a lot of cliches coming into my head and they're pounding against each other here. Would you but say it, the form book goes off the window, Rob? Yeah, that kind of thing, John. All those kind of things. And, and uh, win, draw, or lose, something happens. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's very hard to make sense. We just really, really need to win, and I don't. It's one of those where I don't think about just how pleased I'd be to see us win this one. It feels like a particularly big Liverpool Man U game because, and I, I wrote a preview on the Anfield website about this, and I said, like, I don't like saying single games kickstarts your seasons because that gets said a lot, and it feels like it's a silly, a bit of a silly cliche. But we need a game to kickstart this season now. It, it, we started okay. It's that stuttered really badly. The international break has it helped or hasn't it? We'll find out. But we need a kickstart and we need a win from anywhere. And against Man U would just be the best kind of win from anywhere. How are you feeling, Adam Smith, about the uh, about the, the, the weekend? I I sort of agree with Rob. I don't really know. And I think in, it's a, it's a, in a big way it's because this international break's been going on for about six months. So I just don't really know how I feel. Um, I. Do you know what? There's a big part of me that feels really confident. There's a big part of me that feels that if we won like 4-1, I wouldn't be overly surprised. But there's another part that thinks we could lose 1-0. And I don't, I just don't really know. Because the thing is, I I, I am always a glass, a glass half full kind of supporter. And I, I didn't really, I understand the results weren't going our way before the international break, but I didn't really get the kind of everyone feeling down and depressed and all that sort of stuff because I thought we were playing good football. I thought it was fine margins. I think we could have we could have won every single game we've played this season apart from Man City. And even that, if Mane's foot's, you know, like a little bit higher, we may well have won that one as well. So I, I just don't think we've been playing badly. And if we'd have, if we if we finish the chances we create, and we have been creating chances, and that I think is the most frustrating thing is before uh, you know, last season when we played the deep line teams, all that sort of stuff, the big thing was weren't creating chances, weren't creating, it was all snapshots, it was all that sort of thing. I think we've been creating chances, we just haven't been finishing them. And of course, the opposition have been finishing every single chance they've got. So on the one hand, I feel quite confident because I feel like we've been playing well enough to, to really do something. But on the other hand, I think the narrative at the moment, if the players buy into the narrative that's going around the place and, and they start to get a bit worried about what what's going to happen, then yeah, I could see us losing, you know, one or two nil. So I just don't know. How are you feeling? As a man who's normally in touch with his own feelings, John, <laughs> not shy about letting us know. How are you feeling about, uh, about, uh, about the weekend, about Saturday? I'm very nervous, Neil. Very nervous about the opposition. I think they're a dangerous opposition for us in that I think they're good at a lot of the things that we struggle with. So they're going to be very well organised. They're going to be physical. Um, you know they're a big team. I think. I think you know they've got a couple of 
lads out, which which I think will help us. But I think generally speaking, they'll they'll still put out a very combative team, and and we need to be able to stand up to them. But they're going to be difficult to break down. They're not going to throw men forward, and also I think they'll they'll be fine with a nil nil on sixty. Whereas I think. Anfield and the players as well are likely to get a bit twitchy if that's the case. So, so I'm nervous about it. I think it's I think they're a, they're a, they're not a great opposition for us. And but I'm with the lads in that sometimes you know in an international, but you you kind of you forget how good you are as well. And if you read some of the papers and things, you think that you know the Yen Klopp's the worst manager in the world. And you know that that kind of seeps through to you, even if you do think it's nonsense. It kind of and and there's no need to be as negative as as, as some people are. Uh, I agree with with Adam and you know fine margins. You know we 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 could be you know right up there with teams. We're not, and you've got to take responsibility for that. But I think I think about them and I get worried. But then I think about the front three that we're likely to put up, and I think well they should be worried about that. You know what I mean? Mo Salah's going to come back feeling top of the mm. world I think Firmino hasn't had a great season so far so far but he's, he's a big game player and I think he'll play well and then, and then I like the idea of, of moving Phil Coutinho into the, into the front three in this because I think he's, he's caused them damage from that position and so they're going to be worried about him and so I think there's. I think if you if you if you start thinking more about Liverpool than you about the opposition, I think I think that's a, a kind of healthier way of looking at it from a fan's point of view. When you start to think, do you know what? We've got a lot of good players still. You know, despite the ones who are out, and we've got a lot of players who can who can cause them a lot of problems. Yeah, you know what? You've made me feel a bit a lot better, Johnny. Thanks, you're mate. right. You're right, and you think about the squad's not bad. We would we'd like we'd like Virgil Van Dijk, but the squad's not bad, and you think. They're going to have to put up with a combative midfield of, of Emery Chan, Jordan Henderson, and Ginny Wijnaldum. Assume they're all fit. They're all fit, and they're all good, big game players, and they're all good players at Anfield in particular. I think in the last eighteen months, yeah. whatever reservations people have had about them, they've all saved their best for Anfield. I think, uh, and that's some midfield for United to contend with. And then you go, well, okay, Sadio Mane starts the season in everybody's view. I think as our new best player, and he's out, and that feels like a kick in the pants coming into this one in particular. But then you're going. Well, his actual replacement is Phil Coutinho, mm. world's second most expensive player, potentially Phil Coutinho, is actually the guy we're putting in instead of Sadio Mane. He's good. Salah, Salah is good. As you said, he's on fire. He's just scored two. He's got six in nine or ten starts for Liverpool this season. Firmino, you say he's had a bad season, John. I think he's had a bad three or four, four or five games, but he starts the season well. This might be his moment as well. I, I was the only slight negative I've got is is the Brazilians coming back on them little plane last minute from Brazil. Although Phil seems to seems to seems to like that it, it helps him. He scores against Everton, I think, last time he got off, off off one of those planes and had to play straight away from the start in an early kickoff. Um, I don't think Firmino started either game for Brazil, no. if I'm right. So okay, his legs might be better. Um, and and the rest were in root health. You, and again, John, you're right. To say they they've got tall lads, but to to the I think the two tallest literally. Out possibly outside of a centre half somewhere, uh, Fellaini and Pogba are out. That's not good for them. There's talk, I think, of Carrick maybe even making the cut. Carrick's was he pushing? He's 35 now. He's not played a lot recently. He's a good player, Carrick. If they win, people will say he's still got it. I'm sure, but I, I think our boys might be relishing uh, seeing what his legs have still got in them. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about United. I want to talk about United uh, after seven o'clock. That's where we're going to drill down into United and talk about last season's game a little bit as well and what we can take from that and the way in which Mourinho goes about his business. So Adam, to sort of come back to to us, we can we're right, aren't we, to vote to, to state? And, and I think it's important to be grown up about this. There was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth after Manny gets his injury, and it's frustrating. It's in an international break, but 
that's literally what you build squads for. This is this is this is league football. This is how it works. There will be a period of time where every single one of your players realistically will will be missing. That are very very. The reason why we comment on ever present seasons is because they're increasingly rare in the Premier League these days. It would be ridiculous really to expect that you're always going to be coming in fit and firing and, and you know to use the United comparison briefly they have not got Paul Pogba we've we've got to be grown ups about this and say we can definitely put an 11 on the pitch that can beat Manchester United because that's true yeah I've made this the point before on a, I think it was one of Rob's shows that we <clears throat> last season we conceded in the first 19 games we conceded 21 goals but we're second behind Chelsea, not far behind after we beat Manchester City on New Year's Eve. In the second half of the season, we conceded 21 goals and yet we you know, sort of struggled to finish in fourth. So actually the defence was, 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 was equally as poor in both halves of the season, but the biggest thing that changed was we lost Mane for a, a huge chunk of the second half of the season, which is why we went out and bought Salah. That's the whole, you know, that is the whole reason we bought him. Now, yes, we would be a stronger team if we had Sadio Mane in it. There's no question of that. United would be stronger if they had Pogba and they had Fellaini, believe it or not. Um, and so the, the, the reality is that you buy a player like Salah because you know that there's going to be periods of time where you're going to be without another player who offers a similar threat to him. They're very different players, but a similar threat of speed behind a defence, all that sort of thing. But also, Mane wasn't in very good form. There's no guarantee that he'd have gone into this game as the player that he was. I, You know, I think his head when I think he's lost his head a little bit after the red card. I think he's lost a little bit of confidence in his play. Uh, he wasn't playing very well and he could easily have gone into this United game and carried on his poor form that he had before the international break anyway. So, you know, of again, there it's worth repeating. We would be a better team with him in the squad, but he's not there it's not the world's worst thing ever. He wasn't there for the last part of the season. We needed wins at the last part of the season. We got them. Yeah, I think the right. I think look, we we missed them last season. I think quite a bit. And what we we we've looked to rectify that in the summer. And there's extra players come in who should be able to. We should be easier to cope with it. And I think generally we've looked a little bit better this season than last season at kind of at, at breaking teams down when when. They've been kind of men behind the ball. That the problem is that we haven't we haven't seen that we haven't seen the tearing teams apart as much as we did last season. I don't think I think we've actually improved how we play at eighty percent. We just forgotten how to play at hundred. If that kind of makes sense, and I think I think that will help us in this game as well. I don't I don't think they'll find it. What I'm trying to say is I don't think they'll find it as easy to frustrate us as they did last season. I think I think we've got slightly slightly more kind of tools in our armour now to, to kind of a weapons and armour should I say to, to, to deal with that and so that kind of doesn't concern me really as much it's it's more just the kind of game in itself whether they'll, they'll just a bit more professional whether they just out muscle us a little bit whether we'll be able to get our, our good players in effective positions enough I do, I do think it is worth reiterating that point about how we have made contingency for Amane loss yeah. this season. We've, it's not just Salah, it's Chamberlain as well. We've we've spent eighty million, best part of £80 million pounds on wingers. Yeah. Top premiership wingers. Okay, we haven't seen much of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. There's, there's, there's cynicism based on very little so far at the moment. I mean, most of my, my cynicism about him was about him being injured, and he hasn't been injured yet, which yeah. is that he hasn't played. But we still have, we've we brought in two good wingers to deal with this. Uh, you could actually look as an exercise last after Christmas, what we get, uh, Marnie for I don't know ten starts something like that. It's not very many. Had we had you put Salah and Chamberlain into that Liverpool squad post between January and May last season, surely we'd have a few more points. We'd have a few more than seventy six. We might even be on the edge of a title challenge. So let's not. I, I don't. I don't think we should 
go backwards and do you know what I mean? Going backwards yeah. to go forwards on this one as though it's some sort of disaster. How the question is is sort of comparing our performance against United this season to last as well. What a, I, I think, although yeah, they were dour and we outplayed them just. I think in both games against them last season, uh, possibly a bit unlucky not to have not to have come out with the points at Old Trafford. I suppose a draw was just about right, although we were sure already had it at Anfield. They've added Lukaku, and that that seems to be what a lot of the what, what everything's based on their optimism now. And I understand the Matic thing, but it's come at the price of Herrera getting in the team. And Herrera last season was most people's pick of United as United's best player. So I'm not sure that's that's the leap forward. Many say it is, but the Lukaku thing is seen as that. And yet, and yet they had a striker who scored well, 30 goals last season. I think it's interesting to go to work through the idea of Lukaku in this game. We will do that after seven o'clock. Uh, the idea of what they can or can't expect uh, from that, and how they're going to approach it. Looking back at the game at Anfield last season, and maybe pulling in a little bit as well of the game at Old Trafford, where I actually thought Liverpool deserved all three points, not the idea that they that uh, Manchester United that we deserved a point in the end. I thought that was a game where we deserved all three, but probably not at Anfield. It's interesting to look back on last, last season's game at Anfield. We will do that uh, after seven o'clock. Before then, we're going to speak to Martin Fitzgerald about his book, Ruth and Martin's Arvin Club. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Radio City Talk, Neil Atkinson with the Anfield Wrap. And after seven o'clock, we will zoom right back in on Liverpool versus Manchester United, the game that's in everyone's consciousness at the minute and how we're all going to respond to it. But before then, we want to take a little break and talk about Ruth and Martin's album club. Long-time listeners to the Anfield Rap will know that Martin Fitzgerald's very much a valued contributor. Uh, we adore the man hugely, and he's written a fabulous book, John. Uh, before we let Martin talk, uh, should we talk about how the book is actually just really, really good? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it being in enjoying it in book form as well because obviously it was a weekly blog when it first came out and that was a, a fun thing to look forward to but reading them kind of one after the other in a, on a rickety train in Belgium I mean that's where I read it it's, you know that's, that's not mandatory but um, <laughs> doesn't insist on that in the intro no no but uh, but it was, was kind of great and, and, and really good fun and just the stories that come out of it and the, the unique way that Martin kind of looks at stories that you think you've heard before but it turns out you haven't is, is really refreshing and fun indeed Martin it's 23 uh, 23 pieces of work 23 chapters dealing with 23 different albums and there, it's a huge spread of albums uh, from Elvis Presley uh, Bob Dylan uh, right the way through to Pavement Kendrick Lamar uh, Yola Tenga um, all of the you know stuff that comes pretty much all over the map you said to me before well you didn't get any, any, any metal in there and all of that but you know it goes right the way around the place and now it is in book form and you must be pretty excited that people can now go out and buy it yeah I mean it's it's you know, it's been a long time coming. It, it sort of seems a sort of fair old time ago that, that every Friday at four o'clock I would I would do this as a blog. And I guess at some point within that process, I always thought it could be a book. And, um, you know, nothing quite prepares you for that, that day when you walk into Waterstones and you see, like, loads of your books on a table. And, it, and it's just a... It's a you know, I, I would hope it finds... Uh, a, a, a kind of new audience because of that and that the people that read it as as a blog as you did John would would enjoy it as a book because um it's been edited uh, I wasn't quite aware how much I used to shift tenses <laughs> on, the, on the blog but a woman called Miranda who I've never met but feel very close to went through the the whole thing with the fine did they do the thing where it comes with the red thing along no, 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 no. you know what it's the, it was the I mean it's another book in itself this but um, you know Miranda sent me 
at the you know book as a word file with just lots of sort of annotations and i was annotating her annotations yep i i think i was i was 50 50 into marrying her at some point because <laughs> it seemed like it's just a very close relationship where me and her were communicating through the margins of this book that no one else had read yet you left out the uh your martin's conclusions which was um turns out he she hadn't listened to it because yes yeah was that was that you or your wife uh, no, no, that was me. I, I just thought I just thought that it would be best to end on on the kind of guest mark. So, you know, for those that are just not aware of the project, um, I would I would find a guest, and they would admit to never listening to a particular album ever. Um, they would have to explain their reasons for not listening to that album, laying out any prejudice in advance, and then listen to the album three times and review it. And I just felt it, it, that, that those little sides I used to do on the blog were just, which is not necessary really for the book. On the guests, uh, it's full of people that people may have heard of. Uh, people like Ian Rankin, uh, J.K. Rowling is in there. Uh, Richard Osman uh, is in there. Chris Addison is in there. And then there's, there's, there's it's not just uh, people who, again, who people might have heard of. It's people that you might actually discover. Uh, someone like Sam West, who's a fantastic actor and occasional director. He's His one's very, very good indeed. Uh, Jeff Lloyds is the business. You've got Eddie Argos in there. It is... What I like about the whole project really is that whilst you've got your guys and force and intelligence over it, it's, it is a huge act of, of, of fantastic collaboration, really. And both in terms of the writing, but also in terms of the, what you're asking the guests to do, which is to effectively collaborate with the album that they're listening to for the first time. Yeah, I mean, the the entire thing couldn't have happened without the generosity of the people that took part, that that were sort of willing to spend time listening to an album that in, in some cases they hated, you know, three times, and then to sort of write about that. And I think – I never got the impression that many of those people just dialed it in because it had got to a certain level, I think, where the expectations – You've of, read the previous ones, so you want to yeah, match it. Yeah, of people reading it. And, like, I think someone told me that J.K. Rowling spent two days on her piece, which that, that kind of hit home to me of, of how seriously – People took it, but I was. I would also extend it further than that and say it, it. It it couldn't have happened without the kind of readership and and the feedback and the, and the warmth that they had, sort of towards it. That kept me going every week more than anything else. And those people spreading the word. That was. It was. It was a kind of collaborative effort. And which is which is I think it's which is kind of nice about this book in that it was crowdfunded. And I know that lots of people got their names in the back of the book as people that that pledged for that, and they felt as much part of it as mm. as I did and the guests, because it was like this little thing that they found in a corner of the internet that that they were telling people about, and I couldn't have done it without all those people. On the when they were, now it's in book form as well, you, it makes you realise how often they don't like the album, um, and which is I don't know whether that became a surprise to you when you were doing it or whether you were sort of expecting that I could I kind of made me realize that there's no such thing as an album that everyone likes and and that came out especially in the Martin Luther King Martin Luther King <laughs> he had a dream yeah he was a great guest yeah <laughs> Marvin Gaye I was uh, trying to yeah. say there when when people were going oh my god I can't believe anyone wouldn't like this or that and then they didn't particularly and it made me kind of realize that there was, I was trying to think of an album in my mind that I can't imagine anyone not liking but then I suppose you can always find the reason for, for taste I mean, I, I, I have to say, I got to the point very early on where I didn't care where people liked it or not. 
And, you know, my only thing was if you don't like it or, or, or if you like it, just make me enjoy your perspective on it. So I didn't like when we when like Stuart Lee did Ziggy Stardust and he and he hated it, and it appeared to people more controversial than I thought it should have done. And I and like the sort of enemy got involved and they were like, "Were you annoyed?" And it's like, "Well, it's not my album, you know. <laughs> you know, I can still like it if I want to like it." And by and large, the people that were following the project, I think, bought into that, which was that it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Like. One of my favourite pieces in there is the Alex Massey piece on uh, Nevermind by Nirvana, where uh, he hates that more than I think it's possible to sort of hate anything. Yeah. But I really enjoy his piece, and it doesn't... It just didn't matter to me. There were a, a couple of occasions, I think the Chris Addison one is is one of them, where some people on social media got quite angry with Chris for sort of not liking sort of what's what's going on to the level that they liked it, and... I always found those conversations just uh, just missing the point of this because it would be a really weird project yeah. if everyone said, yeah, this is, I, I really, really enjoy this. It's like, it was um, never about that. It was never, it was, it was never about. Chris's piece of writing as well is marvellous, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully yeah, paced. It's, it's, it's reasoning sound. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm, I'm, I'm with Chris. <laughs> it's controversial, but I'm I mean, with I Chris. am, of all the albums that I went back and listened to, I have to say, What's Going On was the one where I thought the legacy of it had overtaken. The, the actual content of it to a certain extent. Um, but, yeah, by and large, people were sort of okay. I remember, like, when, like, Eddie Argos didn't like Murmur by R.E.M. Like, a few... Really hated it. Yeah, a few people were like, yeah, but Art Brute, mate, they're not that good. I am a bad... It's like, <laughs> that's, that's like, you can't, you can't not like food unless you can cook to the standard as chef. Fortunately, that, that never became... Such a bigger deal that 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 I thought of knocking the whole thing on the head, and people were people bought into it that it was about the writing. It wasn't about whether anything's factually good or not. Okay, uh, so it's available everywhere, uh, and it is fantastic, genuinely fantastic. Made up that it exists, it's out, and you can buy it. So it's all good bookshops and places online as well, and it's published by Unbound. So if you do get the opportunity uh, to buy it, please do so. And it's also a perfect Christmas gift. I refuse to believe there aren't tons and tons of people listening to this for whom this they don't know someone they should buy this for at Christmas. Uh, so it's coming it's up. A, it's a, honestly, it's a very. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I am saying this in the hope that that you will buy the book. But if you if you have that person in your life that is worthy of a ten pound to fifteen pound Christmas <laughs> present, but you never quite like. I'm talking like a, maybe like an in law or something. You never quite know what to buy them. If they like music, this is just, I've made that really easy for you this year. Nailed it. He's done yeah. all the hard yards yeah. for you. Uh, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons. We'll be back with Adam and Rob just after this. Welcome back. It is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. We're now with you right the way until half past seven, talking about a game which may kickstart Liverpool's season, may not kickstart Liverpool's season. Liverpool could win the game and then lose the next three. No, it is, uh, no I mean, it's important. Uh, <laughs> the defeat, uh, win sound awful there. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I take that. <laughs> just, you're living the now. Just with a pint on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, is, it is something which, you know, it... it, it it's important, and I want to talk about both. I want to talk about the way United played last season. I also want to talk about the the fact that we 
psychologically the strings of football matches. I want to go to you first on this, John, to talk about Arsenal. And it might seem strange to talk about Arsenal, but we did a we did a show recently with an Arsenal supporter and we were chatting away and we were saying how Arsenal, it was Natasha Henry, I think, and how Arsenal end August as crisis club. It was yeah. like they couldn't play football anymore. Yeah. It was like it was the end of everything and because they'd been beaten 4-0 at Anfield. And then they didn't concede a goal in domestic football in September. They're now above Liverpool and they won all the games bar one at Chelsea, I think, where they drew 0-0. It is absolutely, you know, because we end up giving these, we give matches, matches get a narrative significance, whereas in reality, there's always just about to be another 90 minutes where you can go about your business again. Yeah, things change quickly in football and and it feels like it's particularly like that at Liverpool with a, a club that kind of goes from extremes in terms of our emotions, I think. And, but it, and I agree with Rob right at the start of the show when he talked about how big this game is and it feels like not just because of, of how much we need to win, but because of where it fits in the season. It comes after the break and this is now an, another chunk of games now and I know that's how you like to think of a season Neil in the in these kind of chunks and I feel like a win really gets us off and going and I think a win a win changes the atmosphere very very quickly throughout the football club I'm not I mean I don't know what the atmosphere is like in the dressing room is probably it's probably a bit more positive than people think but I'm sure there will be frustrations of of games that they've let go and 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 they're not on more points that than they are at the moment I just think a win in this one just gives everyone a kind of massive lift lift going into a, a big part of the season I also think after the next game after it is Maribor away. And although it would be good to win that one in the Champions League group context, it's a bit of a free hit, that yeah. one. I think, they, I think they would relax on the back of a win over United and go into that one a little bit freer. And in being that little bit freer, we'd probably beat Maribor. And before we knew it, we'd suddenly have two wins under our belt and go, go up against Tottenham, feeling that we are the big game team again. And, and and not a train wreck. I, 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 yeah, I, you you can see how the positive momentum could spiral from this, given the run of fixtures. On tour player, uh, on our team talk show, I spoke uh, to Steve Armstrong and uh, Adam, and Steve was he was talking about United's approach, saying it probably won't be that different to last season at Anfield. Um, you know, Steve's been around the block, watched a lot of football. It was interesting talking to him about that because I'm sort of of the view that that could be a little bit counterproductive for United this season. So there's a great piece today on uh, Zonal Market, on ESPN, sorry, written by uh, Michael Cox, now former friend of the show, uh, which talks about what United did do last season. And I'm sort of, if they try to do what they did last season, he talks about them hitting channels, he talks about long balls, he, he mentions that De Gea had played 11 balls into his final, into his own uh, back third uh, in the game before, he played um, 11 the game after, uh, and against Liverpool they played zero. Everything just went. It, it just emptied all game. But that, to me, asks you a lot of Lukaku-based questions. We've seen Lukaku come to Anfield with Everton and be not disinterested, but very much have, isolated. isolated. And have his own foot out that he's got to plough because he isn't great in the air. There's the idea that he's a big lad, he's great in the air, but he's actually not great in the air. He's all right, but he's not brilliant in the air. He's not Slatan Ibrahimovic is what I'm saying. And I just sort of wonder that if they do do that, it will. if they do that too much... It could just get to the point for United where, yes, they might be able to completely shut Liverpool out, possibly, but it may become tricky for them in order to, to get that much from it at all. Because Lukaku does offer, you know, he is not the all-round centre forward. I think that's especially the case because the the the, the Michael Cox picks to us about the fact that the reason that United did that is because it was Mourinho's way of essentially getting round Liverpool's press, and. 
there's been a lot of, of articles recently about how Liverpool's press is not anywhere near what it was last season. We've basically opted for a different way of playing football, which includes not trying to press all the time. So if we're playing a different way and the press is no longer the central point of our style of play, then going long ball doesn't necessarily do much because it's not counteracting anything, if you see what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think the interesting thing about Lukaku is that that he is the sort of player who can steamroll poorer teams. But, you know, actually he hasn't had many, if any, particularly good games against Liverpool. Like, you know, I remember one where I think uh, he played basically essentially as like a, a sort of right winger and Moreno just had him done for the whole game, you know, and we were all thinking, oh, Lukaku up against Moreno is going to be a, a mismatch. But it wasn't Moreno just had him sorted. We've had games where Lovren, you know, who a lot of people have got no time for, where Lovren's handled him quite comfortably. Um, and it's because Everton kind of went for that tactic of long ball up to Lukaku when they played against us. And it, and as you quite correctly say, it, it doesn't necessarily play to his strengths. Um, I mean, I've got a theory about sort of big, tall, strong players that nobody ever teaches them how to head because they just assume they know how to do it. Um, and, you know, yeah, he's, obviously he can score headers, but that's not the main part of his game. So, yeah, I, I you know... Look, it doesn't take much. It takes one good cross and one big header and all of a sudden, you know, you're undone, obviously. But if you're doing something to counteract a pressing team and that team stopped pressing, then it's sort of a bit of a throw things up in the air and see where it lands tactic. I'm not sure I buy them that this game will play out like last season's because... I think that there's a different juxtaposition between the two teams. Liverpool were on fire, I think, at that stage last season. United very much weren't. Uh, United, I think Mourinho was very, very frightened of getting a hiding at Anfield, and that defined his tactics. So it made it ultra-Mourinho. That's what we got. I think whatever whatever his instincts are as a manager, he's still managing uh, one of the world's most famous attacking football teams. That's their tradition. That's what they are, Man United. They must attack. And I, I and they're, they're beating teams. They're attacking teams this season. They're not. They're not playing Mourinho Chelsea way. Well, if they are, they're playing the expansive version of it. I wonder if the sort of joie de vivre, the the, the 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 confidence in those United players' legs will lead them on a lead them to attack Liverpool much much more than they wanted to last season, and that will either play out as them being just a better football team than us and winning at Anfield or a team that plays into our hands. I don't think it'd be quite as simplistic as I'm I'm saying it, but I don't think you're going to see whatever Mourinho wants, a United team that is as conservative as it was last year. I'd be more worried, John, if I thought, and I don't know what I think yet, I'm sort of still trying to work it out myself, but if I thought that we were going to be dealing with a with the United who were going to come to play a bit, I would actually be more worried about that than the idea that they're going to... They're going to uh, I think they will. They're going to, then they're, going to sh- they're going to shut up shop. Because I actually think, I disagree with Rob, I, I am more, I'm not 100%, but I am more, more on the side that they might have a, f- a big first five and they might have certain moments in the game where they're having a bit of a, more of a go than last year. But I think that in general, I expect them to think, they get to walk into this game thinking two things. One, a draw sound for us. Yeah. Two, these clowns will probably give us a chance at some point and we can score. And and they may be right. Well, they're certainly right to think the first one. And yeah. they're probably right to think the second one. Mm. Although clowns is a bit harsh. <laughs> but they, I think that for all the talk of they've been scoring fours, they've been playing more expansive <laughs> football, I still think a lot of those fours come with goals late in games, which, by the way, they count as much as all the other goals. But I I still think if you're Mourinho, in the same way Ferguson, late period Ferguson, dealing with a Benitez side, just, just to come and match us up and say, you know what, we're happy for nothing to happen in this game. Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, I think everything you you say has a lot of sense behind it. I just, I think though, I think Rob's point's an excellent one in that you can't discount just how much how much Liverpool were flying at that point last season and how that affects mindset on the pitch as much as off it. And I think you can set your team up to play a certain way. You know, you can set a team up in a formation. You can say, look, our our primary objective is this you know don't get caught in possession you know um we're going to be tough to beat a point's not a bad result but when you've got an actual footballer on the ball in a game situation and he's flying at the moment he's just gonna the, the, his natural instinct will be to attack a little bit more than i think it would be last season and so i don't think they'll set up you know massively differently and i don't think the tactics will necessarily be massively different but i think you know if you take the wide players for example the they're having really good seasons. You look at Martial, he's, he's doing well. Rashford, he's, he's scoring goals. And so they're just going to want to get forward because they're feeling really good about themselves. And I think, you know, they, you know they, they, they'll be aware of their responsibilities. Don't get me wrong. And I don't think they're going to go onto the pitch and go, forget everything. He's just said, I'm boss of football and we're just going to batter them. I don't think it's that. But I think it's, I think, you know, you talk, Rob talked about Mourinho being worried about getting a hide. And I'm sure the Man United players are watching, you know, the, how well we were playing in certain games and thinking, you know, I'm not I'm not in great form at the moment. So I'm just going to, you know, we've seen it with, with players a lot in the past. You know, I'm not in great form. I'm just going to do the basics. I'm going to keep the ball. I'm going to I'm gonna not do any stupid. I'm going to do my job for my team. And they're very much away from that at the moment. And so I just think just because of the, their form and just because of the, the swagger that they've got at the moment, they'll... They're not going to do anything daft, but they'll, they'll certainly not miss an opportunity if it, if it's there to kind of to, to get forward and to, and to get into the box and just test that Liverpool defence that I'm sure they're aware is, is is shaking a little bit. I think the thing with the thing with United at the moment as well is that they're going to be looking at Liverpool and 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 saying, do you know what? This defence looks shaky. You know, if you're if you're a United player, if you're the likes of, you know, I mean, obviously I don't know the start in 11, but if you're the likes of Martial, Rashford, Lukaku, you're looking at this back four and thinking a little bit of pressure on them and one of them will just give us the ball because that's what that's what the narrative is around the, the place at the moment. So the harder, you know, so so they'll be going into this thinking, well, well let's, just pre- let's just pressure them a little bit. And I think Mourinho will also, the narrative around Manchester United is from, you know, from anywhere other than Manchester United, if you like, is that they haven't really been tested so far this season. Mm. So Mourinho will be looking at this and thinking, well, this is the test. So let's show that we we can handle a test from, you know, one of the big clubs at their home grounds when they're not in particularly good form. Um, and so I just, the thing is, it, it just depends on which sort of, story wants to be told because Mourinho's natural instinct in the big games I think is you know go to Anfield right now try not to be beaten and you'll probably get a chance to win and so that might be the mindset he goes in with or he might go in and think they think that we haven't been tested this is one of the games that we're you know the the, the first genuinely difficult game we've had so let's go and take it to them of the the teams that they've played so far I think there's Everton, Stoke and Southampton are the only three of the teams that you wouldn't expect to be in a relegation battle at the end of the year. Even Everton at the moment, if they keep going the way they are, might not be so lucky. So, you know, and and interestingly, they very, very easily could have drawn with uh, with Southampton and did draw with Stoke. So the two teams that are actually aren't just, you know, steamroller sides, they've actually kind of struggled a little bit with. So it, it, it feels like the sort of game where there's no, you know, it really does feel like one where the form goes out the window a little bit because they could play 
really defensive football. We could attack them, nick a couple of goals, and all of a sudden everyone's delighted with Liverpool and going, United can't handle the test. I think there'll be, I think we might be surprised just how compact Liverpool look tomorrow because without Mane, um, Coutinho isn't a winger. He tucks in more. He, 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 although he won't be playing in the midfield as such, he will join that. He will join that that core in the middle of the park. And I think there might be a numbers game issue, and that might affect the, how the game develops tactically. United play are playing with three out and out attackers here. Martial and Rashford are going to play like wingers. They're not midfield players. They're not both going to play though. Uh, won't you play that front three? Or no, you'll probably play Mkhitaryan. You've play played Mkhitaryan, Mkhitaryan all season. You play Mkhitaryan, uh, Lukaku, and one of Rashford or Martial in all likelihood. Yeah. Uh, he might he might choose to maybe move Martial into the middle and play Matter or play Matter in the middle and then play Matic and Herrera. So or he think... might drop Carrick in there and play a three, which will be Matic, Carrick, and Herrera. But I sort of think he took it's worth remembering when we look back at last season's games, <coughs> it was something that was under discussed at the time. He gave Carrick the biggest hook of his life at half time at yeah. Old Trafford last year. He just went, You can't do this. Mm. Uh, it was it was a real like and I don't think you see Carrick that much between then and the end of the season when before then everyone was talking, as you said before about the influence of Carrick well last season he gets the hook at half time when United were really struggling in that game at Old Trafford so I, I don't think we will see Carrick I think and, and he might even have a mild injury question himself yeah so so perhaps, so perhaps the teams are matched up quite literally in a sense then much compact fours I mean uh, variations on a f- on four four twos and maybe that I, I think we'll see a little bit of shadow boxing going on for, for a good while I don't think it's going to be this crazy game from the off uh, we'll talk about our selection in a before then. Uh, John received an email this week, which he sent over to me from someone called Andrea Hickey. Uh, Andrea has got um, uh, twin boys uh, who need a specific type of surgery. Um, it, we will tweet it all out. It sadly doesn't get funded by the NHS, and they need to be able to raise £120,000 in order to get this surgery that's in question. Uh, so we'd like to give you a mention for that, and we will tweet that out. It's, if you go to justforchildren.org, forward slash children help 2017, uh, forward slash save, and then it's all hyphen, so do Google it. Uh, save Luke and Jack's little legs. If you search it on the website, you'll be able to find it. Uh, that's all there. I'm really pleased I remembered that. I'm very proud of you, in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say your sport, yeah. It's called. It's called selective. I thought this was going to take at least three weeks. Uh, it's called it's selective really dorsal uh, rhizotomy uh, uh, SDR surgery, and uh, it's both the surgery and the physiotherapy which is needed uh, at Alder Hay, and it will be life changing for the pair of them. Uh, they were both born thirteen weeks premature, so all of this stuff is there. Uh, it's on this website, and as I say, we'll make sure it gets tweeted out, uh, and you can find it on the Anfield Raps Twitter. Uh, okay, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Looking ahead to the weekend, got loads and loads of stuff. Uh, about this game both before and after uh, on our tour player service theanfieldapp.com forward slash subscribe if you want to pay £5 a month and listen to all that sort of stuff we do a weekend preview show in general across the whole Premier League calendar every week we also take a look at after the press conference from Jurgen Klopp what Liverpool will do across the game in a show called our team talk show and then we have our post-match shows immediately after the game uh, we do a show about whatever match Liverpool have played we also do a review taking a long look at any Liverpool game and we have our free Anfield Rap show the Anfield Rap com for that if you don't normally listen you just listen to us on the radio that should be uh, you know really really good listen for you uh, to hear what we get to do immediately every weekend uh, slash Monday after every single game talking about the game across the weekend so that's everything that you need from us theanfieldrap.com and you can also buy t-shirts and things like that but you know that by now looking ahead to Liverpool versus Manchester United then I think strangely we have more selection headaches than 
than we think. And I'm, I'll go to you first on this one, John. I don't know if I'm boring about this. I don't know. And and I, I the other for me, this is the great current imponderable about Liverpool's season as to whether or not there was a conversation had over the summer. A couple of people have suggested it as though it's fact, and we don't know if it's true or not at this stage. Where James Milner's knocked on the manager's door and said, "I don't want to play fullback this season, Gaffer," and the manager said, "That sounds. You can have opportunities in midfield, but they'll be limited." I'd like to see Milner on the pitch in this game. I can argue for him at left back. I can argue for him in centre midfield. I can argue for him at right back. I would like to see him on the pitch, but we just don't know what the situation is. Yeah, I imagine that's what happened, but I have no information whatsoever that it that it did um, because it seemed to be he seemed to start pre-season being considered as a fullback, and then there was just a switch kind of almost overnight where he wasn't anymore. And so you would imagine that, that that's kind of been the case. I'd like more James Milner than we're seeing because I think he's a quality footballer and he's got experience and he's and he's and he's worn things, but. I'd be very surprised to see him suddenly get the start in this game because he, he hasn't hasn't had a huge amount of football, I think. I actually think you can probably I think we can all probably pick the team with a reasonable amount of, of, of certainty. And I think he goes with the, the midfield he's played for for most part of the season. And then it's a front three of Coutinho, uh, Salah and Firmino. And I, I expect that is what he'll go for. And I'd be very surprised if it, if it's anything different, really. I've heard kind of Andy Robertson shouts and stuff like that. But, you you, you know, again, you, you just haven't seen enough of him, really. I think, I think he, he, may, he might have a look at Maribor as, as, as a place where he get, gets his game. I think he might play Solanke out there as well, by the way. But uh, that's that's one for, for the Monday show that you were just talking about. But I think... Under the lights, our European preview show, John, hosted by you. Yeah, that guy. Um, so I think... I think the eleven more or less picks itself in this, and I, and I think it's a strong one, and I think there's there's enough to, to go on to when looking at it and thinking, yeah, there's there's a good team there. I mean, I guess there's there's right back questions because I'm not sure what our right backs are up to at the moment. Yeah, I'm. I'd like to see. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Milner come back in. I don't buy the theory that he knocks on Klopp's door on this one. I don't think that's. I, I don't. I think what happened is things things changed in the transfer market, and I think um, Klein got injured. And Trent came in and did well. Moreno came in and gave a couple of good performances and made him think. And there was nice. There was a few couple of games in preseason where Moreno was fantastic running outside Phil Coutinho. He was Coutinho's legs. Yeah. Um, and I think Klopp took a look at that. And went, wow. You know what? Milner, for all his qualities, doesn't quite have that pace. That's a serious option for us. Moreno's pace. You know, Moreno's got a point to prove. We could use him more. I, th- I think Moreno became like a new signing. I think. Trent Trent became like a new signing in his development preseason. Gomez came back strong. So suddenly we had three new fullbacks in the side. Meanwhile, the Naby Keita deal didn't happen the way we wanted it to. And we were short of that central midfield cover at that stage. And Klopp sort of said out loud, you know what, Milner could be like a new signing in central midfield. And I just think those those circumstances conspired. And then I think Klopp thought, well, I tell you what, let's not confuse the issue here. Let's prioritise Milner in, in so, training. So why, so why has Milner barely played a game in centre midfield? We've barely played a game because we've got more up because we've got too many good players in that position. But we haven't we haven't had Henderson or Inaldum or Chan. They haven't really picked up an injury yet between them. So why does he not even get on against Newcastle? Is it? Wijnaldum did nothing second half. Why doesn't? Why, why, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a point, but like, you don't you don't readily just pull off your centre mids. I don't think as readily as you do an attacking player. So they're not the go to ones. It's a, it does. Uh, maybe and the problem for Milner has been is that he had a couple of cameos early on where he didn't look much. I he thought, actually, I thought he looked good against Palace. Against Hoffenheim, I thought he played well when he came on. Look, regardless of what the, whether there was a conspiracy or not on this, one, I, I thought he was Liverpool's best centre midfielder against Crystal Palace. I don't remember. It seems so long ago, Neil. Just winning a game. <laughs> um, but but having said that, having said that, just right now, 
I'd like him to have spent the international break, break training as a right back and to come in at right back. I'd like to see Moreno play left left wing uh, behind Coutinho, and I'd like and Gomez is the one I think will make the cut, but I'd prefer it to have been James Milner. I just wonder whether I do think the transfer market thing is interesting. I do think that perhaps a conversation was had where somebody said, "Look, we're not getting Naby Keita this summer, so do you want to go for another midfielder?" And Klopp kind of thought, do "You know what? Maybe I'll just put Milner back into that." spot and I, I think that we haven't you know there's an argument that maybe the combination of no injuries or no major injuries to the midfield players and the fact that we haven't played the sort of team where uh, Milner's going to look good in the middle apart from Palace was the only one where you'd think oh Milner's you know going to look okay in there I think the rest of the time he's going to look for us like characters for United and a little bit out of place in a, in a, in a team that's that's a lot faster than him if we put him in midfield um, but I also wonder whether Klopp's looked at it and thought you know, we're just not very good at the back. And actually, you know, with Milner at left back offering the more solid thing, we still conceded 42 goals last season. We still started every match a goal down, essentially. Um, and if you're going to be poor at the back, you may as well have a player in there who's going to offer more to the attack, which Moreno definitely does. And I also think he probably thinks, I, I don't think left back's where our defensive problems are coming from coming from I think the central central defense and the goalkeeper are the major problems and he tried to deal with that he's tried to deal with it, tried to deal with the goalkeeper by bringing in Carrius and he tried, and he spent all summer trying to bring in Van Dijk to deal with the center backs um and I I think he thinks you know left left back isn't why we're having the problems so let's put Moreno in there because he's offering and he does to be fair offer a hell of a lot going forward I, especially I thought you know yeah he interacted well with um, with Coutinho like Rob said but more than anything else Mane I think he's got a really good understanding with Mane there you know the yeah. little back heels between the two of them and overlapping and all that sort of stuff so it, you know it might well be a kind of like well you know what does it matter we're probably still going to concede 40 plus goals so we may as well at least have a fast lad <laughs> okay um, so let me sort of talk you through feel free to argue amongst yourselves who are you starting at right back then John oh, I don't know are they both alright both alright I'll probably go Gomez just for the height same same uh, all three of you going Gomez. Presume you're all going Matip Lovren. Yeah, yeah. We're all picking Mignolet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're all picking Moreno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't nod to the radio. Um, no, yeah. do you know? I'm still, <laughs> do you know why I was nodding? Because I was still, I was still thinking about Mignolet. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs> and it's, it's a big one to throw Ward in for. <laughs> oh, it is. It. I mean, it's you know, there's, there's no, the there's no choice. But that doesn't mean you have to be happy about it, John. Maybe we'll play. Maybe play Ward and Maribor as well. Everyone's going to game in Maribor for <laughs> yeah. me. Playing play, play <laughs> keeper at half. Playing twenty-two people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hook and hook, make, asking in advance to UEFA, can we make seven subs in this one? <laughs> um, it's not real, is it? Um, can we? Uh, are we all going Henderson, Chan, Wijnaldum? Yes. There were rumours about Wijnaldum, weren't there? About he was just doing, he wasn't on the pitch training yesterday. I think he was doing some sort of fitness work or something, recovery work, I should say. But yeah, I mean, if they're all fit, then yes. I think he needs to remember with Wijnaldum that he was a big game player for us last season, and I think because of his his away kind of formal lack of I think people kind of have, have come to see him as someone you can't be relied on but in in home games against against big teams last season he was he was he was a great player mm. for he us he has a very good game against Arsenal in the 4-0 yeah mm. um, and we're all going no surprises we are all going Coutinho Firmino Salah yeah yeah yes 
I feel like we're giving too much away here. Mourinho could be listening to this. <laughs> I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Feels as though it's, feels as though it's all, it's got even more straightforward. Uh, Do you think, can I ask, can I pose a question to the panel? Go on. Does there come a game where we just throw Oxley chamberlain in, in a proper football match, not a league cuppy type, type of game? Because we spend a lot of money on him. It's not, he's not Andy Robertson, but he's, he's getting the profile of Andy Robertson. He's a 35 million pound, 23, 24 year old, high profile, England international. At some point, we've got to back this kid. But I think he's still Wenger's player at the moment. I think everybody said about Oxley Chamberlain. He's a re- he's a clock player. He's a really you know really clock player. He's still Wenger's player. Just to the minute he hasn't he, you know he's barely had three training sessions because of international break. I mean he arrived in an international break. We've had an international break since, and then there's been a game every few days. So I agree with you. But uh, you know people writing him off at the moment. He must have had about five training sessions where he's actually had the chance to do anything, and he's still in that mindset of being a Wenger player. So uh, you know there definitely is, and I think maybe something like Tottenham might be one because the Arsenal links and stuff. But I don't think this is the game for. Him. I mean there is there is there is the possibility if. if wanted to go gung-ho here so let's just throw something in because I can right. <laughs> well, you can you can, but we're also approaching half past oh, seven right. I'll I'll be very, anyway. I'll on, be very, because he could he could decide that you know we've been training all season well for much of the for much of the season thus far with Coutinho probing from a deeper position let's keep him in the three and let's just have two wingers running ahead of him and let's just put Chamberlain in for Marnie and go kind of light for light rather than change the system I'm not saying you will man you might not be the one to do it for but I think it could happen soon Okay, Maribor. Maybe Maribor. Uh, With all the other lads who are coming in. We could do everything in Maribor. John's going to Maribor. He's going <laughs> to watch some 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 footballers from the sound of things. Uh, this has been the Anfield Wrap this week. Uh, have a lovely weekend, whatever you're doing. Thank you very much indeed to Martin Fitzgerald, John Gibbons, Adam Smith and Rob Gutman. Let's cut loose and let's just get the win, eh, Liverpool? Sports Social Podcast Network.